0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to Behind the Numbers. I'm Dave Bookbinder, uh, Senior Director at CFGI, where I help my clients with their most important accounting and finance needs. Uh, Feel free to reach out to me if you'd like to connect. I'm on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. This is the show, as you know, where we dig deeper to understand what matters most in business. And today, we're going to be going Behind the Numbers on a personal investment theme. And I'm pleased to welcome a dear friend, uh, Scott Ingalls, who's a Regional Director at Carnegie Investment Council. Scott welcome to behind the numbers pleasure to have you here
1: Dave thank you for having me glad to be here
0: well in full disclosure and full transparency I am a client of Scott and Carnegie so just want to set the frame right there uh, we're not going to be talking about investment advice today we're going to be talking about understanding themes and patterns and really demystifying some of the, uh, the the noise maybe that you've experienced out in the marketplace so with that as a backdrop Scott why don't you just tell the folks watching and listening a little bit about who you are and a little bit about Carnegie and then we'll jump in
1: sure sure uh, well Dave I um, Carnegie Investment Council is a registered investment advisory firm. Uh, We have uh, eight offices across the country and we serve um, families, foundations, and corporations in their investment management and wealth management. Uh, I work out of the Philadelphia office and I am, as you said, a portfolio manager and regional director, working with clients, um,
0: helping them to grow grow, maintain, and preserve their wealth. Sounds good. Why don't we start with trying to help folks kind of level the playing field on what an investment advisor is. You know, you watch television and you see commercials of all kinds, you know, the major brokerage houses, the people who say that they're, um, you know, investment representatives. There's a lot of different titles and and letters. It's alphabet soup out there. Help us to understand the, the investment advisor playing field.
1: That is one of the things I get asked uh, quite often, and one of the things I feel like the investing public is is um, in need of better guidance on. And um, we at Carnegie uh, we've produced something called uh, a, a guide to choosing an inv- an investment advisor, which I would suggest that people take a look at our website for. But um, there are different uh, a registered investment advisory firm like Carnegie. We're held to a fiduciary standard, which. Uh, means that as as it as um, we're regulated by the SEC and we're required to put clients interests and best interests ahead of ours or the firms uh we don't sell financial products uh we just provide advice and guidance and so we're we're um uh we're, we we don't sell insurance products we don't sell and so there there are different types of investment firms that uh that do sell financial products. And so I think it's very important for people to know if they're working for an advisor, how they're compensated. Are they, we, we get our fees only, we're fee only and we get our fees only from what our clients pay us for advice and for our service. We don't get compensation for selling any kind of financial products. So that's a starting point is, yeah. for, is for, you know, if, if you're going to work with a financial advisor first and upfront understand, are they selling financial products? Or are they going to be working with you as a financial partner, uh, providing uh, advice and guidance for a fee, but you know, but, but with no um, kickbacks or any secondary gain from the relationship?
0: Yeah, you want somebody sitting on your side of the table. I mean, you don't want to be looking at your statement and wonder, why did they make that transaction? Why did they do the buy sell? And are they just looking to make a commission? Totally got it. A lot of confusing noise out there. There is. There is. Well, let's talk about another topic that's uh, a favorite of mine in in terms of putting together a portfolio, diversification. Mm. So in the early stages of people's careers, maybe they don't have enough money to, if they're thinking about individual stocks, to build a uh, a diversified portfolio, and as people get further along in their investing careers, then they've got more latitude. But um, how should people be thinking about diversification? Is that truly the only free lunch in investing?
1: Ah, is diversification the only free lunch? Well, what I'll say is um, diversification preserves wealth and concentration builds wealth. So it, de- it depends on what you're seeking to do and <laughs> how you look at diversification. So in a sense, uh, you know, you can be overly diversified. I've seen portfolios. I've uh, looked at portfolios that have had um, 30, 40 different mutual funds in them and those funds all have fees and on top of that they're paying an advisory fee and so that type of diversification i call de-diversification <laughs> because you end up with a glorified index fund but you're paying potentially 2% for what you could get at Vanguard for you know a fraction of a percent right uh so um you know is is diversification a free lunch I've seen where diver- diversification leads to de and it's far from a free lunch. It's one of the most expensive uh, you know, free lunches you'll ever, you'll ever get. At, at Carnegie, what we do is, uh, when, with clients that have enough resource, we essentially build a portfolio with individual securities and take all those layers of costs out. And so you can be appropriately diversified with individual securities. Uh, and achieve diversification in a very low-cost, transparent way.
0: Yeah, when you talk about owning 30 different mutual funds, at some point you're you're owning the same stocks over and over again, just in different baskets, like you said, with different fees attached to them. Exactly. Yeah, can we talk about cost a little bit? Sure. So the mutual fund side has fees associated with it. Uh, and maybe somewhere in this, we're going to dovetail into the, the concept of the indexing versus active management, because index funds have lower costs. Mm. So why don't we actually start there? Why don't we talk about the benefits or the uh, the pitfalls of indexing? Mm. It's a very simplified way to do it. You know I'm a, I'm a fan of it, and we've had many conversations sure. about the benefits and the downsides.
1: Yeah. Uh, yes, we have. We've, we've had some good, healthy debates about it. Um, you know, indexing and capitalization weighted indexing, which is where um, you know, the S&P 500 index, for example, weights companies by their size, you know, their, their size in the market. And, um, you know, it, 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 it is an effective way to get broad exposure to the overall market. However, there are times when the market becomes overly concentrated. And, and perhaps we're in one of those times now. Um, it doesn't happen often. So most of the time being diversified, and owning the market is a, is a, can be a very good and effective strategy. Uh, there are times though, when um, the market becomes so concentrated amongst the, the biggest companies that you're not getting as much exposure to the smaller, you know, faster-growing, more nimble, up-and-coming competitors—they kind of get drowned out yeah. by the larger companies in the index.
0: Yeah, they certainly don't make it into the S and P 500, for example. Right, too small.
1: Right, right. So, so um, you know, indexing—it ha- it absolutely has its place, uh, and 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 is an—it is an effective. I think Warren Buffett's saying on it is that you know, for for a know-nothing investor, indexing is the way to go you know because you set it and forget it you own the market and um, but if you're working with an advisor um, you know who knows something then you can achieve the diversification benefits of the index but you know at at carnegie we build custom portfolios that are more tailored to the client's needs using individual securities we can achieve the same level diversification but with more purpose better tax management better asset location. Um, what I would what I would say is that indexing and indexes are a blunt instrument, mm-hmm. and so sometimes a blunt instrument is okay, but when you want to be more tactical and precise and use more precision, you want tools that allow you that, and individual securities uh, and moving away from index funds makes sense in that case, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, and I know you've got some numbers uh, that that can speak to the idea of the the value add of a good advisor vis-a-vis an index fund. Why don't you speak to that a little bit? Sure, sure. And these
1: aren't numbers from Carnegie uh, or mine, but numbers that uh, Vanguard and Morningstar have published. Uh, they've done studies to try and quantify. And you know, your 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 theme is behind the numbers. So we'll first, we'll quantify, and then we'll talk about what's behind yeah. the numbers. Uh, Vanguard. Uh, suggests that working with an advisor can add up to 3% per annum in value to uh, a, a client relationship and to the value of their portfolio over time. Morningstar suggests that value is in the neighborhood of one5 to 1.6%. In both cases, the single biggest driver of added value, they believe, is the objective uh, advice and behavioral coaching that comes from working with somebody um, independent and uh, a third party. So uh, you know, take a couple or even an individual. You know, we with mo- with our own money, we tend to be very emotional. Uh, oh, yeah. We work. We we work hard every day to earn a living and to accumulate and save. And you know, uh, emotions and financial decisions inherently become intertwined in our personal lives. And the biggest value add, according to those studies, and according to my experience, is the emotional objectivity that an advisor brings to the relationship. An advisor can help make objective, unemotional, or at least present the facts in a way that allows for clients to see uh, the decisions in front of them whether it's, hey, I wanna get out of the market in, in April of 2020 in the middle of a pandemic to, You know, hey, we really want to buy, you know, a second home or a a boat, you know, and an advisor can help to objectify those decisions, can help to quantify the implications of the decisions and bring that third party emotional, uh, you know, objectivity. And that's the behavioral coaching piece. That's the biggest value add from partnering with a financial advisor above and beyond the investment management.
0: Yeah, because as they say, you know, you've got to be smart twice, right? You've got to know when to get in when to get out. And that emotional tie that you have to your decisions, uh, that's tough. And I couldn't agree with you more that taking the emotions out and adding the discipline is a huge value add. And that's probably a really good segue for folks watching and listening if they want to know how to connect with you. Scott, what's the best way for them to reach you?
1: Well, sure. Um, Our our website is CarnegieInvest.com, all one word and uh you know my uh my contact information is s i n g l i s at carnegieinvest dot com uh, if 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 people would like to email me or just check out uh, Carnegie's website uh, there is some educational material like i said about how to how to choose a financial advisor which i don't envy people there is as you said a tremendous amount of noise out there yeah and I think that is um a real essential value add that we can bring is to educate people on the, the the best way to find a fit for them.
0: Yeah, sure. So when we talk about a lot of noise out there, a lot of current topics, thematic themes, and they can come in a number of different flavors. One such flavor is ESG investing. Um, we have about five minutes to go in this segment so we don't have a whole lot of time to go down a rabbit hole here, but can you touch on some of these thematic themes and how people can think about them in context? It, you know, from my lens, it feels like they may be more of uh, that little seasoning on the steak as opposed to um, your, your meat and potatoes, if you will. Man, that's a botched metaphor, but I think you know what I'm trying to say. In small doses.
1: <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Well, uh, you're right. There are. Um, there's always a, a ton of things coming at the investing public. Right now, ESG is, 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 is front and center. We hear things like SPACs, cryptocurrencies. These are all things that are in the air that that are in in, the, in, in, in popular finance. And yes, and I want to are, get
0: into those after the break.
1: Yeah, so don't yeah. go there now. No, but what I what I would say is, um, you know, you asked, it, it, Carnegie is um, uh, one of the one of the things that that I love about Carnegie is the the scale and scope of, of our experience of, of the portfolio managers. So we we have someone who's actually spent. Uh, you know, significant hours learning about ESG and and and, and um, investigating that as a um, uh, you know as as a topic, and so we're well in, we're we're well informed when it comes to ESG. In fact, we have the ability to build a custom. ESG or socially, people might not know what ESG is, but environmental it's
0: environmental, social, governance, in, good environmental,
1: point. social, and governance. There's, yes. that, that's another thing that people are bombarded by in this industry is these acronyms, you know, it's alphabet soup for the investing public, but it's, it's investments that are environmentally, socially, uh, and, 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 and have good governance. Uh, as a part of their makeup. And there's, there are ranking services, there are various ranking services. Uh, Morgan Stanley Capital International, MSCI, another acronym, is um, one of the purveyors. There are others that have different standards and rankings for ranking companies on those measures. And so you know, working with a firm like Carnegie, we can build, whether it's with exchange-traded funds that have environmental, social, and governance as, you know, rankings as a part of their metrics, or our own custom portfolios where we rank our holdings by their ESG criteria, uh, we can meet investors where they are and build a socially con- conscious, environmentally friendly portfolio. Uh, an obvious example might be in the energy sp- space sure. where you've got, you've got clean energy companies that are investing in solar and wind. You've got the traditional so-called dirty energy companies that are still investing in oil and gas right. uh, you know, and, and so forth. So, Um, You know, the ability to customize is one of the things that we really love about what we do at Carnegie, and especially when these things like ESG come along, we can tailor the portfolio
0: exactly to where that
1: client is at on that particular issue.
0: Gotcha. Good stuff. And that's a good spot to take a quick break. Scott, you sit tight. We're talking with Scott Ingles, who's a regional director at Carnegie Investment Council. I'm Dave Bookbinder, and we're going to be right back on Behind the Numbers after this quick commercial break. Don't go anywhere.
1: Boardwalks built for fun. Legendary rock and roll clubs. This is how we do it. Casinos by the ocean. Now that's New Jersey. 130 miles of beautiful beaches. Solid rock. And everything in between. (laughs) <laughs> now that's New Jersey.
0: Hey, welcome back to Behind the Numbers. I'm Dave Bookbinder, and we're talking with Scott Ingalls from Carnegie Investment Council. Scott, a uh, lot to cover yet here in the uh, the second half of the program, and I, I want to start at a on a topic of cryptocurrency from the standpoint that that's another one of those things that's in the news every day. Sure. And I, I, we're not looking for investment advice or, or how people can even you know, think about or invest in it. But maybe if you can just help explain what that is for those who are maybe less informed and have heard uh, about you know, Elon Musk on Saturday Night Live, what's that going to do to crypto? Right. What is cryptocurrency? How do people think about it to understand it?
1: Sure, sure. Sure. Um, Well, you know, one way to think of it is just digital currency. So we have currencies; everybody knows what dollars are, and um, you know, digital currencies are a different form. So, and some some people talk about cryptocurrency as a as an asset class, like it's something new and different. I I think it's a form of something that we're very familiar with. Mm -hmm. You know, so let's talk about currency and what the purpose of currency is for. Uh, there are a few different things that are necessary for something to be a, a useful currency. It needs to be something that we um, can measure the value of, of other things with. Sure. Uh, we can use it to transact right. and exchange value. Um, we can use it as a as a as a um, as a record of account, as a way of uh, of of accounting for. Um, a business, say, right? Mm-hmm. We use, we use currency to account for the value of a business, and it's, and a store of value uh, is another form of of currency. So if we think of of alternatives to the dollar, alternative currencies throughout history, the one that most people turn to is they think about gold. Yeah, you know, gold uh, because of its its. Um, it's it's nature it's often been seen as the the best store of value alternative to traditional currencies so there are elements of of digital currencies and and of there there are many and of course the the more popular ones you alluded to um Already, but, you know, whether, whether it's Ethereum or Litecoin or, 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 or Bitcoin, we certainly don't take a view or have a recommendation about mm-hmm. any, any of those. However, you know, we can look at those and ask, do they measure up to what a traditional currency does? And, and there are aspects of, of the new digital currencies that do allow us to exchange value, that do allow us to transact. Popular, uh, platforms like Square and PayPal, uh, are allowing people to transact now in in digital currencies, and so um, they absolutely have a role. I hear people talk about them as an alternative asset class, and I'm not sure about that because, um, well, they're cryptocurrencies, so currencies in the word, and we already have an asset class called currency, and so. Digital currencies, I would think of, probably have some of the characteristics of traditional currencies and belong in that asset class. Then we have gold, which we mentioned before, which is a commodity, a precious metal. Which commodities are an asset class, and so if if in fact some of these digital currencies are like uh, dig, digital gold, you hear some people refer to some of them, then in fact they have the properties of a commodity. So. You know, while these, while the the names and, and, and they've, they've been a, um, a source of a lot of popular discussion and even speculation. I think there's a lot of under, underpinnings to cryptocurrencies that are very similar to things that we're already very familiar with. They're just new and, they're just new in different forms. And the last thing I'll say is that the real power, I would say an analogy of the way to think of cryptocurrency is as email was to the internet. So email being AOL mail, uh, you know, Gmail, et cetera, you know, um, as email is to the internet, cryptocurrencies are to blockchain technology. So blockchain technology is the technology, the underpinnings that sit underneath. It's the, it's the, it's the technology that sits underneath the cryptocurrencies. Cryptocurrencies are just one application of blockchain technology. So, Blockchain technology is a bit like triple-entry bookkeeping. Double-entry bookkeeping uh, was invented about four or 500 years ago. It's what, what we use to measure uh, uh, double, uh, uh, debits and credits, balance our checkbook, manage a business. The thing that blockchain adds is a layer of security that's above and beyond what's there in, in, the, in the analog double-entry bookkeeping. World, and so that's transforming how Walmart, for example, tracks inventory, and they can instead of it taking a week to track down the source of a perishable on their shelves that has an issue, now they can do it in minutes mm-hmm. use, using blockchain technology. So that's the real power that's sitting underneath there, and the, the, the a lot a lot of the popularity around cryptocurrency is is. Um, Taking the eye off the ball of where the real power lies, and that's in blockchain. Gotcha.
0: Scott, how can people reach out to you if they want to learn more about you, pick your brain, work with you, have coffee with you?
1: Well, uh, yeah, as I mentioned before, s-i-n-g-l-i-s at carnegieinvest.com is the best way to email me. Um, my, my, uh, uh uh, Information is available on our carnegieinvest.com website
0: and I'd uh, you know, be more than happy to have a conversation with any of your viewers. Sounds good. Scott, we only have about three minutes to go here and I know we could go for another hour easily, but I want to just touch on something very quickly. Retirement, everybody's looking to plan for retirement. In three minutes that we have, how can people think about retirement planning? How do they know if they're on track? Perfect
1: uh, segue, Dave. I think the um, the behind the numbers theme everybody wants to know what is their number right yeah how much do i need uh to retire and the other question is am i going to run out of of money those for people in that um what i call the retirement red zone yeah so we don't want to eat cat food right in retirement within yeah, with your plus or plus or plus or five plus or minus five years of retirement uh, that topic starts to become front of mind for a lot of people, and we work very closely with people to help understand. And and the way we get at it is we we look at the financial resources, we look at the portfolio assets, potential pension, um, other other sources of income, of course, Social Security. We pull all that together into a cash flow projection. Uh, that looks at how is how is retirement going to be funded, and there's no one answer. There is no one number, unfortunately. There is no magic number for for people. Uh, but one of the when we we talked earlier about behavioral coaching, um, one of the things I think that clients value most with working with a Carnegie portfolio manager and advisor is uh, the confidence that comes from being able to quantify. For them, what's well, a very complex emotional decision. Can I retire? Should I retire? When can I retire? To be able to quantify that and to provide confidence in the decision uh, and know that they're not in it by themselves, but that they've got a partner with them. We do this, we've got uh you know hundreds and hundreds of, of examples of successfully leading people into and through retirement at Carnegie Investment Council. Most clients have one chance to get this right. And so partnering with somebody is essential to, 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 we find that the, the, the confidence that comes with partnering somebody like a fiduciary financial advisor, like a Carnegie Investment Council portfolio manager, like Scott, you know, is, 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 is um, a huge weight Uh, lifted off of client shoulders knowing that they're not in this uh, by themselves and that that retirement decision is going to be done with confidence.
0: Yeah that's so true because just knowing that it's modeled you've got something you can actually look to and not just think well geez am I going to work till I'm 90. (laughs) Yeah. Think about it that way. (laughs) Scott thanks so much for joining us today. Really appreciate you being here. Dave thank you. Always enjoy the conversation. And thank you for watching and listening to Behind the Numbers. We've been talking with Scott Ingalls, a uh, Portfolio Manager and Regional Director at Carnegie Investment Council. Do check him out. He's a good man. I can tell you that personally. Uh, my name is Dave Bookbinder. As I said earlier, feel free to reach out to me. I'm on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. And we will see you next time on Behind the Numbers. Take care, everybody.